hi, hello. We welcome you to the top of the noon hour and to this edition of What's Happening New Haven. And of course, to WPKN 89.5 FM, streaming with zen-like focus from Bridgeport, Connecticut. I'm Bonnie Likes, here with engineer Sean Bigler. And today on What's Happening New Haven, it is our pleasure to bring you today's show where we will be expanding out and up from the Elm City and way out up to the stars, but then right back down to you. Because this hour, we're going to visit with a real astrologer who has a great deal to share about not just the signs of the stars that relate to each and every one of us, but also to what's in store for us later this year and maybe a peak into 2022. Matthew Kenny is a practicing traditional astrologer, a trained philosopher, and a translator of ancient Greek and Sanskrit. He's a dedicated practitioner of astrological magic, meditation, hatha yoga, and Taoist circle walking. And as an academic and scholar, he utilizes intellectual rigor to restore the worldview and astrological prowess of the ancient world and apply it to the modern day. He uses this integrated knowledge combined with applied techniques to guide his clients on their paths toward wholeness and spiritual flourishing. And what's really exciting, among many other things we'll talk about with Matthew, is he will share the astrological snapshot for the next half of 2021 that lies ahead. Matthew, Kenny, thanks so much for joining us once again to talk all things astrology as we go further into 2021 and the spring and summer season ahead. Welcome back to the show. Hi, Bonnie. Thank you so much for having me back on. I really appreciate it. Our great pleasure. So, Matthew, you are many things. And as a bit of a redux from your last interview with us back in January, I'd like to launch our conversation now with how you got going as a serious astrologer. How did this all begin for you? Yeah. You know, I think like most people who study astrology, I started with modern astrology, modern astrological techniques. I was interested in psychology, and I was very fascinated by the power that modern astrology had to explain why people do what they do, and even on a predictive level, when people do the things that they do. Mm -hmm. Um, And kind of in tandem with that, I was also getting a degree in philosophy, and I was studying ancient Greek. So I was diving very, very deeply into the worldviews and the spiritual practices of some ancient authors and uh, hermeticists and spiritual practitioners. And I was aware that they had their own kind of astrology, which was very different from modern astrology. It's known as Hellenistic astrology or classical astrology. But I didn't practice it, though. I, I didn't really connect the dots that I could practice it until my fiance introduced me to a teacher of classical astrology. His name is um, Achute Bavadas or Adam Ellen Boss. Ah. And he really taught me how to actually use these classical ancient techniques. And ever since then, I've been fully invested in traditional astrology, the approach and the philosophy of traditional astrology. And I'll use this as an aside to say that for the really technical sides of astrology, the ones that are very, very uh, heavy in techniques and prediction 
and they involve a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts. It really requires a teacher. It's mm. extraordinarily helpful to have someone who has come before you, who has spent you know, years and even decades of their life actually using these techniques with clients and can actually show you how to use them to make them pop. Um, you know, it's, it's one thing to know, say, someone with the sun in Aries with a rising sign of Libra might be really focused in on relationships and partnerships and doing life in tandem with other people. Ah. But it's another thing entirely to be able to take that, those same indicators of Libra rising and sun in Aries and start to describe what their life is going to look like outside of their own psychology and also get a sense for when specific things will happen in their life. That really requires a teacher. It requires someone who's gotten a lot of practice. And I feel very fortunate and very blessed that I was able to find someone who could help me with that. Wow. And, yes. Um, yes, indeed. Yeah. So it's my layman's understanding so, that astrology not only has the various disciplines that you just alluded to, I think I've heard of new paradigm, Ayurvedic or mundane, and all these different permutations and interpretations. But Matthew, how do you personally go about your discernments? Do you use a mix of, say, intuition combined with the cosmological science of how things are aligning up in the heavens? Oh, yeah, I I absolutely do. Um and I think that astrology, you know, no matter how technically proficient you are with it, there's always an element of intuition that is involved. I think that astrology is probably, especially the technical astrology, the classical astrology that I do, is a little bit less intuitive than, say, something like tarot or the I Ching. Mm. And it's very, very, you know, technique heavy. But you do need some kind of intuitive faculty develop to some sense to get us an idea of how these different techniques are going to show up in somebody's life. And that takes practice. And I found more and more that it's not necessarily something that's super abstract or even kind of woo, as it were. It just involves kind of being in the present moment and you get these, these insights that help you to uh, interpret the chart in a proper way. And if we were to get in a time machine, Matthew, and we went back mm. into a, an ancient, ancient world, how or who, in your best knowledge, who or what discovered that the planets have this profound pull on what we experience as reality? How was this discovered? Ooh. Well, that's a, it's a very, very uh, juicy topic. Juicy <laughs> question. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting. I um, I am a, a kind of a unique school, a sort of a, almost like a mythological school. Mm -hmm. I would believe that. Have you heard of the figure Hermes Trismegistus? Is that a name? If I had it, it would have been a fleeting uh, reference. So if you'd like to tell us about that, that would be so fascinating. Yeah. So Hermes Trismegistus, Trismegistus is a semi-divine figure who is credited with the invention of astrology and also the invention of certain spiritual practices that help the soul of the individual to leave the body and ascend back up into the realm of the stars. Mm. And the 
mythos behind traditional astrology is that there is this one sort of founding figure named Hermes Trismegistus who had this divine inspiration that astrology is what it is and that the planets mean the things that they do and the signs mean the things that they do. And this figure, uh, you know, channeled or um, he received this insight directly from the stars and the planets and turned it into a practical tool, a, a practical methodology that people could use to get a sense for what their lives are going to look like. And then, and this is really important, use that knowledge of what type of life they're going to have to learn to detach and not cling to making something happen or uh, getting somewhere in life that it, they're not actually going to go. It allows for a certain level of surrender when you know that the, you're kind of fated to have a certain experience. And then you can learn to not cling and not attach and just uh, enjoy the ride. I see. And so that was like the original purpose that he brought in. How interesting. That is, I'm so glad I asked I, because I, I never really knew that. And if someone did mm. want to evolve out of, of a particular trait or influence, is there any way mm -hmm. they can bypass their individual chart? Well, some people would say that there that you can. Um, you know, actually, interestingly enough, one of the things that was a huge selling point for Christianity back uh, in like, you know, 200, 300 CE was that um, Christians claimed that by being baptized, you were no longer under the influence of the planets. Ah. And for people who, yeah. And so for people of all races and of all classes who were not happy with their allotment in life, you could become baptized and you would be able to transcend that and go connect with something higher, something greater. And there's similar positions in yoga as well and in, in the East. In my experience, I see people who are baptized and I see people who practice yoga that still kind of live out their charts. So it, it might kind of work in theory. Uh, and it might seem like a good idea and it's a great selling point for sure for, for whatever belief system you you are trying to champion. But I, I, I see people who have, you know, kind of gone through those initiations in this particular religion that still, uh, they still kind of, it appears they're sort of at the whim, uh, not really whim, that's not the right word, but kind of uh, still bound to their, their chart in some way. And oh, wow. um yeah, I know it's, uh, and there's my kind of, you know, I'm a Capricorn, so I, I kind of look to the results. I look to like, well, what do I see in the world? Does it actually work? And, you know, in my mind, in my particular cosmology, it's my belief that the spirit, each of us ha you know, has a spirit, and all of our spirits are completely, absolutely, and totally free. Uh, no ands, ifs, or buts. Well, that's good to know. But, <laughs> but well, here's, here is a but, I guess. But, well, that spirit chooses a particular life. Uh, it freely chooses that life and it chooses to come into incarnation and come into the world and have a particular experience. And the natal chart, your star chart is telling you what experience specifically it is that 
your spirit came here to have. Um, so you did freely choose, but now you're kind of like, it's like you're, you're strapped into a roller coaster ride and uh, you can learn to enjoy the roller coaster ride that you signed up for and you can choose to flourish. Uh, I think everybody can flourish with whatever they've chosen or you can kind of choose to fight it and go against it and, and not like it. Um, and it, this is also not a, a thing on whether or not everybody can be happy. You know, I think like everybody can be happy. They can learn to uh, really almost kind of like rock or, or, or work the, what it is they've chosen mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. But there is a specific thing that has been chosen, you know, like I can never, I can never give birth. Um, I will, I will also never fly uh, being human. There's certain limits to the material world. Mm-hmm. And um, it just kind of comes down to that in my mind. This is clearly a very traditional perspective that is not, as popular anymore, mm-hmm. but uh, it, it is what I have found to be the case. So it sounds like astrology go, co- goes uh, right in line with reincarnation. Would you agree? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very much yeah. so. Um, yes. You know, I found uh, every single classical tradition that uses astrology, whether it's uh, you're, you're in India or in, you're, you're in Egypt or in Greece or in the Yucatan with the Mayans. They all believe in reincarnation right in tandem with astrology. Pretty universal. I see. So, Matthew, out of all the planets that influence behavior and circumstance, which ones or one might be the most powerful? Is it the moon, perhaps? It is actually ah. um yeah it's yeah and it's funny a lot of people focus on the sun but it's actually the moon and um you know the moon well i'll back up a little bit the sun rules your your spirit it rules that part of you that is absolute that freely chose a particular life mm-hmm. so it's very important and there's a reason why people focus on it and the west but the moon rules pretty much everything else um the moon rules your emotions, it rules your body, it rules your mother, because your mother was your body before you could have your own. The moon also rules your context, your environment, your living situation, especially in formative years, what kind of uh, circumstances you were born into, it's, so it's fortune and fate. And the moon is also the kind of the, the subtle mind uh, the attitudes that you adopt, very uh, the way that you choose to view the world in tandem with how you are feeling about something. So, in um, some in places outside of the West where astrology is practiced quite a bit, the uh, you'll go to the um, someone will come up to you and ask you, "Well, what's your moon sign?" Because the moon sign is they know the moon sign is extremely important, mm-hmm. and really in terms of like what kind of. Uh, what kind of character you are, what kind of individual person you are, what kind of things you like, Mm -hmm. what your happy place is, where you like to be, what feels good to you in the day-to-day. That's all the moon. Um, And I think a lot of the reason why people don't resonate with their sun sign a lot is uh, because the moon is really more important for things like emotional resonance and feeling into something. Uh, The moon sign also changes every two and a half days. Uh, So... You know, clearly everyone born in the month of February is not going to have be exactly identical. But uh, the moon sign, which changes every couple of days, definitely in tandem with the sun, 
starts to distinguish people. Mm-hmm. So like we have like 3000 people who are in Aquarius, but they're all born different parts of February. They, um, they'll all be affected by where the moon is. I see. So if we have a moon in a particular sign, for example, in one uh, discipline of astrology, I'm, I'm Scorpio. Mm-hmm. And then in another one, uh, when I, I think the astrologer was using a computer program, saw that I was actually in Sagittarius. These are two very ah. different influences. And I know yes. Sagittarius, Matthew, would mean a love of freedom. Isn't that right? That is, yeah. Sagittarius loves freedom. They love personal expression. Um, They are also really, really about the development of the soul, having new experiences, broadening horizons, expanding one's sense of self. So you're Sagittarius moon. Do you like to travel? Yes, I do. Yeah. They like to travel. And another thing with the Sag moon is just very much liking to kind of digest information. Um, we would like to learn new things. And a lot of times you find people with a Sagittarius moon, they're some kind of an authority figure. You know, Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter, and Jupiter rules leaders and governors and also spiritual teachers as well. So people who share information, uh, people who hold space in some way, a lot of times they have a Sagittarius moon. Well, that certainly adds up. Now, in terms of, you know... Um being an authority figure, I guess I like to pretend I am, but mm. really I'm a huge pushover. So, but, but, <laughs> but now, yes. Now, can you um, sort of light upon some other signs and what, if the, the moon might show up yeah. for some folks, we'd love to hear. For example, Sean is wondering what, what happens if you have a Leo moon? What, what might be the influences there? Yeah. So Leo Moon is also very interested in leadership. Leo Moon can be very extroverted, very, very external. Leo Moon likes to wear their heart on their sleeves. Uh, So in contrast to Sagittarius, Leo is ruled by the sun. So there is a kind of self-confidence. There is a kind of taking up space. You find that people with Leo Moon are very interested in authenticity. Uh, being genuine. Leo moons do not really like to play games. Uh, They like to show up exactly how they are. Mm -hmm. They also can be very, very fond of parties and anything that involves real self-expression. Does that kind of fit, Sean? Absolutely, absolutely. And let's pick some other ones. I think that was very enlightening. Don't Mm. you think so, Sean? Oh, very much. Yeah, he he liked that. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're very welcome. Yeah, my pleasure. So, Matthew, yes, let's let's go down the line and tell us some more, please. Yeah. So those, so Leo and Sagittarius are both fire signs. So let's do it. Let's do a different one. Let's do Cancer. Great, Um, great. And Cancer, yeah. So Cancer is a is a special place for the moon. Uh, because the moon rules the sign of cancer. So lunar emphases, lunar themes really, really show up with someone in a, uh, with a cancer moon. You'll see that they really embody the archetype of the moon in general. So mm. the moon likes to nurture. The moon is the sort of cosmic celestial mother. So cancer moons, they really like to take care of other people. They really like to be taken care of. Questions of Home and relationship are very important to them. Cancer is a water sign, so they're generally much more intuitive and feeling-oriented, very, very empathetic. They can become uh, empathic and uh, sort of psychic even if they really do a lot of 
practice and they do a lot of spiritual meditation, they can start to pick up on how other people are feeling around them. Mm-hmm. And some sometimes I've found that even without that, they're already constantly picking up on how other people are feeling mm. and they need to do things to ground and center so that they don't get overwhelmed. Um, generally very compassionate, uh, don't want to hurt people for the most part, really, really interested in everybody getting along and everybody being, uh, feeling like harmony with one another. Fantastic. So that's the, yeah. And can you, can you tell us about Gemini, Matthew? I'd love, we'd love to know about Gemini. Sean and I have a lot of friends who happen to be Gemini's. With Gemini. Yes. We'd like to know more about them. Yeah. Yeah, Gemini is a very interesting sign, and by its inherent character, it is kind of hard to categorize. Um, Gemini is ruled by Mercury, and uh, Mercury is the trickster. Mercury is the lord of communication and Mm -hmm. speech, and uh, the written word, the discursive mind. Do you find that people with Moon and Gemini, they find a lot of their emotional satisfaction. They find themselves being most comfortable if they are doing something that uses the mind. Uh, they like mm-hmm. reading. They mm-hmm. like talking. Mm-hmm. They are generally very social. Mm-hmm. Uh, all the air signs, yeah, all the air signs, including Gemini, uh, the others being Aquarius and Libra, are quite social. They, um, the so air signs are considered the social signs. So they generally like doing life in partnership with other people, uh, whether they have one partner or they are... Um, to someone who likes to have a lot of friends. They mm-hmm. also, the Gemini moon can really like to poke if they're feeling, if they're feeling it, if they're feeling kind of fun and excited about life, they like to sort of poke and trick and tease and kind of mess with other people a little <laughs> yeah. bit. They, yeah. Like sense. the trickster. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of, they have a lot of fun for it and it's never malicious. That's some, that's something that is uh People think that Gemini can be a little bit malicious, but it's much more just almost experimental. It's like they're asking themselves, well, it'll be, they, they think to themselves, well, it'd be kind of funny if I, if I said this thing that would be very triggering to somebody else. So I'm going to say it and just see what happens. Oh my goodness. Um, well, you just hit really- the hit, nail on the head because uh, one Gemini friend, it seems as though he likes to say certain things to watch me get worked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's like a game. They really like games. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they really. And you think um, uh, the 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 archetype of Mercury and some of the mythologies around him. He uh, he you know he he tricks Apollo out of his lyre, and he he goes around messing with people. He steals things. Uh, <laughs> he's just a little child, and like right right out of right out of Hera's womb, uh, Hermes is already like kind of like running around causing trouble. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. So it's, it's I definitely want to leave enough time, Matthew, for what you see in the year ahead of maybe a glimpse too into 2022. Um, so hmm. when you want to start unfolding that we are all ears, but if you want to add anything about any other sign before we launch into that, I just want to make sure you have plenty of time to do that. But is there any other uh, you know, a, a planetary influence or sign that you would like to elaborate on? Um, no, I'm I'm good. I think that uh, yeah, those are some definitely some good ones. And you know, we caught we caught uh, or touched on four. And I think that people are starting to pick up on the general theme and reasoning, and they might be able to like take some of the rules that I'm using and apply it in their own life as well if they have their moon in one of the signs that I haven't talked about. But I'm, I'm very excited to talk about the, uh, 
the upcoming year because uh, there are some good things happening. I know it might not feel like there's going to be a lot of good things happening right now, but I, I guarantee that, that they're coming. They're coming down the line. Thank goodness. So, so let's get into it. Yeah. So just to recap a little bit, a lot of the reason why these last few this last year and a half with COVID-19 and everything has been so challenging. A lot of it comes down to Jupiter. Um, Jupiter mm. rules the public welfare and public health. Um, Jupiter is naturally a very benefic, kind, positive planet. So when Jupiter is doing well in the sky, then we tend to flourish and societies and civilizations and uh, cultural institutions tend to flourish as well. When Jupiter is doing poorly in the sky, then things to dwindle and diminish. And, you know, mm. that can go just from, uh, you know, a slight downturn in the economy to, um, uh, you know, a flat-out pandemic, which is what we're seeing now. Yeah. So, you know, 2020, Jupiter occupied the sign of Capricorn, and uh, Jupiter does not like to be in Capricorn whatsoever. Um, ah, Capricorn is, yeah, Capricorn is great for some things like, you know, hard work and diligence and focus and, uh, um, you know, responsibility as well and keeping things organized. And Jupiter, which, you know, thinks Sag, Jupiter being a, a lover of freedom is not as comfortable there. Mm-hmm. And so Jupiter goes into Capricorn on December 2nd of 2019. And it's around that time that we start hearing rumors of this virus in Wuhan, like around almost like around the exact same time. Yes. And Saturn was in Capricorn at the same time as well. And as Jupiter gets closer and closer to the planet Saturn, uh, the death rate gets more and more intense. And they reach their closest point in conjunction with the sky. And that's when the lockdown was really first called. Now, fast forward to the end of 2020, where Jupiter goes into the sign of Aquarius. And... Jupiter is slightly happier in Aquarius, and that's where um, Jupiter still is now. And that makes sense since things haven't been, you know, quite as bad as they were in 2020. There's definitely less fear and panic going on. But there is uh, still, you know, things are still kind of in something of a lockdown. There's still limits. Uh, We're still wearing masks. And um, Jupiter will continue to be in the sign of Aquarius for uh, another, really actually just another three weeks, Jupiter leaves the sign of Aquarius on uh, May 14th of 2021. So, so yeah, a few more weeks. And then Jupiter goes into Pisces. And this is great for Jupiter. Jupiter rules the sign of Pisces. Jupiter is very comfortable here. They, um, they naturally go very, very well together. So in a nutshell, Jupiter is going from signs that are ruled by Saturn, the god of death, being Capricorn and Aquarius, to a place of his own rulership in a couple of weeks. Um, is, are you tracking with me so far? Does that all make sense? Yes. Yes, it does. Great. We want Jupiter Great. happy. Is this, It sounds like yes. the bottom line. We want Jupiter happy because <laughs> then we're much happier, too. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, Jupiter, yeah, May 14th is a day to look out for. And also, just as an aside, for, yeah, as an aside, for people who have planets in Pisces, or like they have a sun, moon, or ascendant in the sign of Pisces, Mm -hmm. or in uh, Cancer, or Scorpio, this is going to be really good for you guys personally, too. Um, Your Jupiter will be forming trines or a conjunction 
to uh, your, your natal planets by transit. So this will be, you'll see a lot of growth, more optimism, um, movement forward in your life. Sometimes like developments in career can happen as well. Fantastic. Uh, now, Matthew, so do you see any signs where people should maybe not take a warning, but take heed and, and just maybe uh, be a little more careful? Yes. Um, so while uh, Jupiter is going to be in Pisces just for a couple months, after that, Jupiter will retrograde back into the sign of Aquarius on this on July 28th of 2021. And I expect there to be like a slight rollback, a slight return to some of the restrictions with COVID around that time. What I could see happening is that with Jupiter being in Pisces for like a couple months, um, maybe some some mandates are lifted. Maybe people aren't required to wear masks as much or something like that. I'm not sure. Maybe people are already starting to talk about that a little bit. I think I've heard rumors of that in Pennsylvania. Mm. But I could see that being like, you know, implemented and then rolled back again very quickly because uh, the things start to take a little bit of a turn for the worst. Um, mm. But fear not because that will still be temporary. Um, Jupiter was mostly done in Aquarius. He will be you know, in Aquarius from July 28th until December 29th. And uh, once Jupiter goes into Aquarius, uh, into back into Pisces on December 29th, then I think that, you know, throughout 2022 with Jupiter and Pisces, things will be like, there will be a lot more lightness. I think that at that point, COVID will begin to feel more like a thing of the past. So if uh, a new variant, yes, if a new variant yeah. came into the sphere, uh, would it not yes. have a, a chance of being as catching as it was March uh, of 2020? Um, it wouldn't. It wouldn't have the full steam ahead as it did a year ago. Say, w might that be the case? Correct. Okay. I think so. Yeah, I think so. Um, whatever it is, it's definitely not going to be as bad as 2020. Um, that, yeah, uh, and that's what the the numbers seem to say. I was looking at a graph a little bit before we, 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 we came on to just to get a sense for it. But, yeah. um, you know, there was this huge spike, this huge spike in death tolls, um, both instances where Jupiter and Saturn were really close together in the sky in conjunction. Mm -hmm. uh, those, they all, it's very spooky even to like correlate the two because um, it's very precise. Mm -hmm. um, but they're not going to be conjoined again for another 19 years. So the worst is definitely over and we're trending downward. It's just a matter of kind of uh, holding out, ri riding the rest of 2021 out, and also feeling some gratitude that it's not as bad as 2020. So, Matthew, when you see, when we look around us in the news today, we see a lot of division and almost a spitefulness. Mm -hmm. Can you address that in the uh, astrological year to come? Could you say that last word one more time? Uh, can you address to, yeah. astrologically how the division that's all around us, the, almost a bifurcation of society is occurring to those that uh, yes. may be aware of it? I think most people are, unless they're really inside their own bubble, which can happen because of technology sure, and all sure. that. But can you address that astrologically? I can. Yeah, there is a lot of division. Um, you know, a lot of that comes down to Saturn being an Aquarius. Uh you know, Jupiter's a positive planet, right? And then um, Saturn's not. Uh, Saturn, when when Saturn has more power, sometimes more difficult things show up. And he is in more power right now with being in Aquarius, which he rules. This is his, this is his home, um, the sign of Aquarius. 
And what I see with people natally who have a lot of plants in Aquarius, or they have Saturn in Aquarius, is um, uh, ideologues. Uh, people, uh, you see pundits, people who use their voice quite a bit to sway the masses one way or another. And this is true for, for both conservatives and liberals. What, what is, um, it's not necessarily about a particular side. What you see is just two different sides getting very, very caught up in their own viewpoints and their own perspectives. So they become more like ships passing in the night. And it's harder to actually see each other's humanity. Mm. is what I've noticed. Mm -hmm. So when Saturn is in, say, Pisces, like a water sign like Pisces, or uh, in Sagittarius, there is much, uh, it's easier to um, see people for being human and knowing that, you know, we're we're all into, in this together and there might be some difficult experiences coming up and I might not agree with you, but we are still just trying our best. But everybody is just trying their best and hurt people hurt people and you know, we, we can forgive so long as we're trying to move forward. Um, Aquarius isn't really about that. Um, Aquarius has its own wisdom, which is seeing the absolutes. Aquarius likes to see the ideals, perfection, how things could be, and also gets a sense for uh, what the individual Aquarian thinks the world should be like. Uh, they tend to see what the per they tend to identify one scenario as the absolute best possible situation and fight for that and move forward for that with that as much as possible. They will, um, uh, this is why like a lot of Aquarians are very associated with humanitarianism and humanitarian ideals, mm -hmm. uh, because they do care. Mm -hmm. Aquarius does genuinely care, mm -hmm. but with Aquarius, um, the sh there's this, we talk about the shadow side of things where, um, you get a lot of division and you get a lot of uh, focus on norms and uh, shoulds. And I'm thinking back to five or six years ago, especially in the uh, new age alternative spirituality communities, where the new insight that everybody had when Saturn was in Sagittarius was don't should be, no shoulds, shoulds are bad. Uh, and okay. now we get into Saturn and Aquarius and I see nothing but shoulds. On both sides, on um, everybody's doing it because that's mm -hmm. the nature of Saturn and Aquarius. Oh. And as astrologers, we really have to we train ourselves to um, just notice the trends without kind of really landing one particular way. Just trying to see the good and the bad that comes with each uh, planetary placement and how that shows up in civilizations. So I know that there's some insights coming here, and perhaps people are getting clear in this division but also that this division that's happening right now is temporary. And in a couple of years from now, it will be something else. And then in a couple of years after that, something else will show up. Um, you start to, uh, and this is back, kind of coming full circle to Hermes Trismegistus, when you start co making these correlations and these comparisons between what happens on Earth and what happens in the sky, you do it for years and years and years, eventually you start to not... Um, uh, get as caught up in the intensity of the present moment. Ah. You start to, you can learn to, to like take a step back and to, you know, come from a, you could think of it in some cases, it's more of a rationally detached place, but also it can be a more of a heart centered place where and you, so, yes, um, if we, you if remember we, that. It, oh, I'm sorry. Continue, mm -hmm. please. 
Oh, yeah. You just remember that um, no matter what, everybody is trying. And no matter what, everyone is really deeply caring. Uh, even if it might not seem that way, and even just saying those words could appear like anathema. Um, just remembering that this too shall pass, and you know, eventually people will come back together. And if, Probably we, if around we do disengage, March 7th. oh, March 7th, people will... will... Yeah, oh, 2023. Oh, yeah, that's oh. when Saturn moves into Pisces. Oh, so we have a little bit of a wait for that. Have a little bit of a wait, yeah. And remember, it was around, you know, Saturn first went into Aquarius in March 2020. And, you know, Saturn's the slowest moving of all the traditional planets. Saturn moved into Aquarius in 2020. And um, eventually, you like right around that time, you see both, like all camps, all political camps in the United States getting very entrenched in, in, in what they think. And everyone thinking that the other side is crazy. And uh, they're the, uh, um, or, or insane, or, you know, each side calls the other side a fascist. And um, then, you know, kind of moving forward with that, and that's where we still are. And uh, yeah, a couple more years, maybe, I guess a year and 10 months. And, um, you know, that will kind of resolve itself. But also, uh, in, as, in, as just as the nature of life, something else will, will come up that we'll have to deal with. Yes, and Matthew, you mentioned problems. that if we are conscious of these particular mm -hmm. uh, influences and alignments, now we can disengage our energy and be more conscious. Would this actually affect the result when we disengage our energy? Because you mentioned in the beginning of the interview that we are all free humans, absolutely. So we must have mm -hmm. some uh, input, so to speak, of, of the final the final effect in a way if we don't put a lot of energy into the negative would that would you agree with that oh i absolutely would yeah regardless of what you believe or what you think of um whoever's in front of you and whether you agree with them or not um the, the conscious intention comes from meeting that person from a heart-centered and uh, by heart-centered, I don't just mean like, you know, emotional. I, I mean, um, coming from a, from a place of deep wisdom and, and stillness and, uh, and an understanding. And when more and more people choose to come from that place and they choose to uh, come from a place of genuine mutual respect, um, then there's more compassion in the world. There's more kindness and uh, everybody flourishes more. It's also just more efficient to get things done, to... Um, to, to heal global poverty and to uh, to heal race divisions and to heal class divisions that that comes from the heart um, and it's a it's an immediate in the moment thing that comes from conscious awareness it looks different every single second of every single day um, that that's very beautiful thank you for that a very important mm -hmm. reminder that I sense that our natural human evolution is working towards uh yeah. but yet but yet we seem to have these kind of roadblocks and one of these roadblocks i also wanted to ask you specifically about matthew and that would be folks that have lost their businesses and have had to take this uh you know uh, income from the government and things like that do you show some sort of uh recompass to these people that will they get back on track with their livelihoods do you show open opportunities for that and less dependence on the government or the other way around? Are people going to become more dependent on the powers that be just to survive? I'm so happy that you asked that. That was actually something that I wanted to talk about. In, in 
traditional astrology, we use something called an Aries ingress chart to describe what a particular year is going to look like for a country. And there are three indicators for 2021 that show a lot of focus in on the welfare state. Um, I won't get too into the weeds with what those indicators are, but um, I think a lot of a lot of government handouts, um, a lot probably more stimulus checks. I know that uh, I, I was telling my students like, hey, there's going to be more even before there was a third one. Now people are already talking about a fourth. There could be a fifth, and what the chart, the Aries Ingress chart showed me is that, you know, especially for people who lost their businesses, um, I see do see more of a focus on or a dependence mm-hmm. on the government mm-hmm. uh, for 2021. Now, is that going to last? Is that going to be permanent? Probably not. Um, I, I would have to look more deeply at the Aries Ingress charts for the next couple of years to see. But just uh, realistically speaking, I, I'm personally... Uh, grateful for the availability for these um, these stimulus checks and the uh, the forgive the completely forgivable loans for some small businesses that can get them, knowing that uh, mm-hmm. there's at least some grace. And it is unfortunate that a lot of people, um, but it is, it, a lot of people have lost their businesses. Uh, you know, this too shall fa- pa- this, this too shall pass. Nothing lasts forever. Uh, you know, we have a we have a nighttime, and we we have a year of famine right now. But eventually, a year of plenty, a year of abundance will return. And you know, ultimately, this earth, this world, is about um, about tempering our souls, about tempering our spirits. It's not supposed to be easy. You know? And uh, when we die in the classical hermetic cosmology that I work with, all of us we we go back to heaven. We return to the stars, and we take the insights that we learned while we were here, and we um, we become better because of them. Nothing that happens down here is permanent or so dire that we can't bear it with grace. And always know that you will have support from the stars and from you, the like the energies and the guides that we all work with to get through whatever it is that is being thrown at you. Sounds beautifully put. And um, Matthew Kenny, before we wrap things up, uh, would you tell listeners, please, where they can get in touch with you, follow your work, and any events, workshops, or sessions that you'll facilitate that you'd like to share? Yeah, I uh, my website is ancientastrology.org, uh, ancientastrology.org. And I have um, information there uh, about all workshops that are going on. Um, I'm going to be offering a class within the next few months on an introduction to astrology and also astrological magic, which is uh, actually learning to form connections with these planets at a personal level. So it doesn't become your astrological practice doesn't become so abstract, um, but it is actually a, a, a felt intuitive thing. Fantastic. So more, yes, people can actually learn to integrate it with uh who they are internally and just put it out into the world mm-hmm. and and yeah. maybe hopefully manifest some things that they really desire and will move their life forward. Mm-hmm. That sounds great. Mm-hmm. Matthew Kenny, we want to thank you so much for returning to What's Happening New Haven. It's been a pleasure talking with you once again today. Thank you for coming on the show. 
Yeah, and thank you, Bonnie. Thank you, Sean, so much for having me back on. I, I, I really appreciate it. It's a pleasure and an honor. Great. Thank you. And we'll look forward to being in touch and following your work. Have a great day ahead. The world is resting without sound or motion. Behind the apple tree, the sun goes down, painting with fire the spires and the windows in the elm-shaded town. Beyond the calm, Connecticut, the hills lie, silvered with haze as fruits still fresh with bloom. The swallows weave in flight across the zenith on an aerial loom. That's an excerpt from a poem titled In a Garden, All About the Fair State of Connecticut, written by Sarah Teasdale. And I thought it fitting because here on beloved WPKN, this will be our very last edition of What's Happening New Haven, as Sean and I will be leaving the unique and beautiful boundaries of Connecticut, and it is a very difficult state and state of mind to leave at that. It's been our pleasure to rest on the pulse of the one-of-a-kind, prolifically amazing city of New Haven and to see and mingle with the other wonderful people of WPKN these past two and a half years. We are very sad to leave, but have sweet memories packed away in our bags as we aim our beaks to the south. Rest assured, we're certain this time slot will be filled with someone who's got great things to play and say, so we suggest you tune in constantly to see what's up. Thank you for tuning in today to WPKN 89.5 and stay tuned now for more wonderful programming.
வீரவே வாகையே 